That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion I want our listeners to know that my wife actually is watching the baby while I'm doing this podcast. Well, that's good to know. Po- podcast nights are for daddy. Podcast nights are for daddy. Yeah, I should, that's why I should get a mug that, that says that. Uh, my wife actually, while I was away, as a Father's Day gift, because I was away on tour for my first Father's Day, which is like just terrible, was, was a terrible <laughs> thing all around. Uh, I came back and she started to set up a little home studio here in the place we just bought so i have wooden cave framed on the wall which looks very nice makes me feel good you're setting up a wooden man cave wooden man cave for little wooden man which is me uh and yeah if you could see uh, i have this nice little setup for the mic and finally a pop filter because i know um a lot of our listeners are a pop filter pop you filter say? yeah a lot of folks are pretty upset with me for breathing and laughing in their ears. Well, whoop to do for you. You get to travel around, play your shows. I've just been chilling out here at home, but I have been rewatching The Wire. Great show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could watch that all the way through at any point in my life. Yes, sir. I feel similarly. Um, it really had been a while, but talk about musicians that become good actors. Uh, Method Man as Cheese. Method Man is great. That character is just such a piece of shit oh he's so annoying perfect scumbag and steve earl too steve earl is in that steve uh, earl yeah he's super yep super sincere uh bubbles mentor yeah the whole thing top to bottom well i'll tell you what they got a new podcast called the wire at 20 uh just came out this year obviously hosted by method man they interview uh cast and crew and the creators so Sincerely, if you are interested in listening to a podcast about The Wire, there you go. Mm. But hey, this podcast uh-huh. is way better. Uh, it's called Losing My Opinion. And that in and of itself, that is an opinion. It's Sometimes it's opinions. Sometimes it's just facts. Sure. You got to just speak the truth as it comes. I am Thomas Irwin, a.k.a. Niagara Moon. I'm going to flip that. I am Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. Wow, you have been on tour been on for tour. so long. Yeah, I kind of forgetting who you are. Yeah, I would, and I would introduce myself as Thin Layer, and you know, I feel more and more comfortable doing that. So get ready for that. I have a good one today. I have another. I'm getting really emboldened, and I hope our listeners can hear that. I hope that excites them. I'm starting to tackle more, more and more subjects that are near and dear to my heart. I recently was talking about Sam Cooke and that live record that I love so much. Uh, talk about Karen Dalton. You know, these are th- kind of these are the the artists that inspired me to do the podcast to begin with. And today I'm going to talk about an album that is really important to me. I think it's really unique. Uh, I can't think of another one like it, and I feel like it's underappreciated. I have a few questions for you to start. So if I were to ask you to name the most underrated British invasion band. Who would you say? I need one answer. I don't need... Underrated in what sense? What, however you interpret that word. Not, not spoken about enough, uh, you know, unfairly uh, minimized. Right, 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 right. At the time, I got to say the zombies were robbed. 
zombies. That's a Odyssey that's a and Oracle really good should, that should have been the first of many masterpieces. That should not have led to the band's breakup. That's a that's a really good answer. I think that's probably the other acceptable answer beyond the right answer, which is the one that I have today. Uh, so on some level, I know it's like, and I was as I was writing this, I was going to start with a different opening, but I realized it's really annoying to be talking about really popular bands and making any kind of argument that one of them is underrated. Like even for the zombies, it's like, they're, they're fine now. And honestly, they were fine then in terms of like how widespread their reach was and how many fans they had. And especially in comparison to the number of amazing bands out there that get zero coverage, zero visibility. So it's like almost disrespectful to be mm-hmm. talking about a popular band and being like, oh, this is underappreciated. So I'm hesitant to make that argument. So I pulled back on that. Uh, but I'm going to talk about a band that is widely known. Uh, I think pretty popular, but for like the mainstream by only a few select songs. Uh, so my argument today, as you pr- may have guessed already, is about the Kinks. Hell yeah. And Ray Davies and their legacy in America is really complicated. They have songs that are like all over classic rock radio, all over the oldie stations. But it's really, you know, Thomas, what is it? What are we talking about? You really got me. Uh-huh. I feel like I, you know what? I saw that in the new uh, season of The Boys, I think. They're really? playing that song. Okay. One of those shows. That, that That's the one that gets either that or back where we started. Okay, that's an interesting Here we one. Here we round again. Right? Do it again. We hear, we hear that around. <laughs> These are all beautiful the radio and renditions stuff, don't we? Uh, that I'm hearing from you. I'm, I have, uh, uh, what do you call it? Pitch perfect okay. singing. You do, yeah, I can tell. I was going to ask you, do you have perfect pitch uh, after you mm-hmm. did that rendition? I have perfect pitch. Uh, like Jacob Collier or something. Uh, so you really got me all day and all the night. Which essentially are the same song, but you know I love them both. Uh, you hear sometimes like "Tired of Waiting for You," "Well-Respected Man," "Sunny Afternoon." Like sometimes those crop up, but mainly you hear like "You Really Got Me" and and "All Day and All the Night." I think when we listen to like tri-state area like Jersey, New York, over here, it's that's what's on Q1043. That's what survived, and and what the the boomer generation prizes from that band. Uh, so everybody loves going. Bah, da, 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 da. Yeah. Bah, da, 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 da. Yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Every fucking guy who buys a guitar loves playing that riff. Yeah, and it's great when they're starting out. Yeah, it's great. Uh, these are some of the best pop singles ever written. Uh, you know, especially "Sunny Afternoon" and "Waterloo Sunset," and you know his singles as they got more complex. Waterloo Sunset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing song. Uh, that's up there with like for me. Like God only knows anything on Sgt. Pepper. Like that 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 level of single from the Kinks is in that in that arena for me. And you know, Lola was a hit later on and Come Dancing. And so they had some other hits, but really in America, their continued legacy is centered on those first couple of years and those like real rockin' singles. Uh, I think when the average music fan is thinking about that band, that's what they're thinking about. Uh, for Kinks fans though of which I am a card-carrying member. Me too. It sounds like as well. They had a run of five albums that holds up with the best of them. Like from 67 through 71, we're talking about uh, 
in terms of songwriting, it's hard to match what Ray Davies accomplished during that mm -hmm. period and what the band uh, did with the arrangements. We don't talk about them as an albums band, but that run is killer. We're talking about something else, Village Green, Preservation Society, Arthur, uh, Lola, and Muswell Hillbillies. And that's kind of, for me, that's sort of where it ends in that classic uh, period. There's, there's one more after that that's like a soundtrack or something. Oh, so that's before Muswell Hillbillies, that's Percy. And I, and I purposely oh. didn't count that. But if you love it... Yeah. That, that one's got some bangers, though. It does. That Percy album. It does, because it was a soundtrack. I don't Look, I don't want to get attacked by Kings fans. Uh, Kings fans, I legitimately am frightened of, whereas with the ELP fans... I've never met one. What are they like? I have met one guy who is um, very strange, and I would not want to mess with him. But mainly, for America, it comes from the fact that they were banned from touring during their 60s heyday, and it was over some real bullshit... They had a rough tour with a handful of incidents. That's for a whole other podcast. But the American Federation yeah, of Musicians yeah. were like, you're not getting permits to tour for years. So I think it's a testament to how good his songwriting is, was that they made it through to still have some kind of legacy here. But anyway, to get to my long-winded point, I'm really outdoing myself here with how long-winded this is. Uh, we have a blind spot in our appreciation for some of the albums in that run. I think for all the boomer celebrations of the 60s, they focus on like the same 20 albums over and over again. You know, Pet Sounds is one of those albums. I can't yes. resist yeah. saying that. Uh, but there's an album that's <laughs> consistently overlooked by Boomer Mythology. And it's one that I think is ripe for rediscovery and rebranding as a classic. And I'm talking about Muswell Hillbillies. Yeah. Uh, and for today's podcast, I'm arguing it's one of the best albums of the early 70s, which is saying a lot because that, that is a, a, it's a formidable a period. Time period. It's a formidable period. Yeah, it's, it's daunting to think about. I think it's a forgotten classic. So, okay, I hope I don't get thrown in jail over this, but I think maybe the statute of limitations is over. Uh, I first heard this album on LimeWire. Do you remember? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was a LimeWire boy once upon a time. I was, I was myself a, a dandy little LimeWire boy. It was like this service. It was a streaming service that was around. It was after post Napster. Streaming service. <laughs> it was barely a service. It was a booby it trap. It was a streaming slash download pirating service uh, that sent many of my laptops into virus hell. Uh, it's also where I discovered some amazing music. It wasn't legal, right? Uh, this is where I found this record, though. And I was searching for kink singles. And I found some of these songs that I'd never heard of. So the version I downloaded was like all out of whack. It was jumbled, probably different mixes of stuff. It was a mess. But these songs are so good. It really doesn't matter what order you hear them in. And I really fell in love with it when I was working at the deli. Um, to go back to that, because I know the listeners, they want to know my backstory more. And you have encouraged me in this direction. I just want to hear about the cured meats. Well, you're gonna. So that's my main point of interest. And yeah. you're gonna hear about those. So when I was slicing ham, let's say, uh, I'd have this record going, and it's kind of like this strange memory that the album conjures in me, because I think of people like yelling at me about thin baloney, and I'd hear Ray Davies singing in the background, and I'd be like frustrated and angry, and I'd hear the music and really just start to like escape into songwriting itself, and just envision a life of songwriting for myself and. Uh, so it's really an escapist album for me. Mm. Um, I'm going to try to let some of the songs breathe in a moment. Uh, 
which I'm notoriously bad at doing on this podcast. But uh, we're going to start with a song on this record that is like a vaudevillian classic rock song. And it's called Acute Schizophrenia Paranoia Blues. And it's the first in a series of songs on this record that are really tough to classify. But let's, let's take a listen first, and then I want to I wanna get your thoughts on it. All right, hit me. No one does ramshackle like the kinks. Uh-uh. Sounds like it's gonna fall apart at any it's, moment. It's like a, I picture like a jalopy with like a bunch of instruments on it, you know? Yeah. Got a great chug. So, such a good chug. It's like a country circus vaudeville rock jamboree. I could listen to that, all of it. It's dope. But it is dope. It's a dope song. <laughs> That's what I have here. This is dope. Uh, you know, the Kings get labeled like as a very British band, and they have some albums that are very British. You know, like Vill- they Village make Green. Full use of their British. Yeah. yeah, they empty the tank on Village Green, and I love that record. Uh, but this whole album, I know there's there's British dancehall music is part of the influence, but it feels like a really fucked up celebration of American musical traditions, like blended in a shake. Uh, I mean, this is a concept album, no? Ish. Concept dish. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ray Davies himself said he felt like he should have been brought up in Appalachia. It's such a strange combo. From the instrumentation, there's a banjo in there. There's these whimsical New Orleans horns. Uh, Broadway piano, there's the British dance hall music influence, and then there's this like searing gut bucket guitar that like Jack White would really dig. And the chug that you're talking about, that Kinks chug, which is just so unmistakable. And then over the top of that, you have Ray Davies' paranoid lyrics about losing his mind. Uh, it's one of my favorite Kinks songs, and it's a tune I would recommend to people who want to hear like what is Ray Davies about. I'd play them this song because it's existential torment but with a wink and a smile, and it's jaunty. He is very jaunty, isn't he? <laughs> He's a jaunty fellow. Uh, you talked about this being a concept album. Like, it's it sort of is. Like, a lot of tunes about working-class people on the verge of collapse or post-collapse. You know, there's a wealth of story songs. Uh, another one of my favorites, and you can tell me if you agree with me on this one, but this next song is called Alcohol. Oh, David, <laughs> alcohol. I was hoping you'd bring that I one kind up. of yeah. like knew you were going to do that. I don't know. I, I feel like we've... memories I can... What, because I have a beer in my hand? Is that the giveaway? No, I just... I, I have a good feel for 
I have a good feel for you now. And it maybe means that we talk too often, actually, because I just felt like, oh, he's going to he's going to sing it. Uh, it do, am I wrong in saying this? So I hear shades of in this vocal. He has that like stuffed up nose thing that like Damon Albarn adopted so yeah. well. Uh, I kind of hear uh, shades of like what Tom York does and even more modern stuff like Aldous Harding. That kind of like once again. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm yes. Da, 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 da. Uh, live, life in a glass. Life house in a glass house is a song that I, I had an argument uh, with a friend years ago. It actually ended the friendship, and we don't speak to each other anymore. But uh, we, I was arguing that that song would not exist if it weren't for Muswell Hillbillies because it's so mines that same area. I really yeah, the think brass section. Yeah, that brass section and and sort of uh, the the haunting vocals and uh, really plaintive melody. I kind of hear like a Karma Police kind of thing going mm. on in this song, where it's just like he's he's half asleep while he's singing. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's something to do with the melody too. But I, we've we've uh, teased our listeners enough. Let me play a little bit of this song. It's called Alcohol. It might be my favorite song on the album. Oh, hell yeah, brother. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Love that guitar. Here's a story about a sinner. He used to be a winner who enjoyed a life of prominence and position. But the pressures at the office and his social ad engagements and his selfish, wise, fanatical ambition. A lot of big words. A lot of big words. And he got mixed up with a floozy and she led him to a life of indecision. The life of indecision. I love when he goes up here with the melody. It's great. That's just fantastic. Sad memories I can't recall. That's my favorite part. Tremendous. Tremendous song. Mm. Uh, it's really unique, you know, because of that. It has that like umpa thing happening again, similar to the last tune where it feels like we're watching like a traveling stage show. You know, the jalopy is still traveling along. Uh, but with these heavy, vivid lyrics about alcoholism, it's it's personal yeah. and sad Effortless. and fun, which is like a weird combo. There's really this vibe with the kinks, especially in this period. Like, like we uh, both agree that late 60s, early 70s is certainly sweet spot. And it's just this feeling of like, they can just show up and play anything mm -hmm. and make it work. And like, it's ramshackle and loose, but just right in the pocket at the same time. That's like yes. the kinks thing. And you think some of that probably comes from the tension in the band between the brothers. I mean, like they are, I mean, it's either them or Credence, like the quintessential hmm. brothers who hate each other. 
uh, Oasis, sir. Well, I mean, I was trying to focus. Well, good. I was trying to focus we're on good narrowing music. it down to good bands. Good music. Good, good music. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, the album starts with the phrase, "This is the age of machinery, a mechanical nightmare." Uh, this guy wasn't ready for social media. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I was going back to the concept of the record. Like, there's a lot of these these working class. Uh, character-driven stories of people who are down and out or, or crushed by modernity. Um, and some critics were saying like, oh, it's a really conservative album or that it's like old-fashioned or... or but I, I disagree with that because he's just talking about being against like a computerized community. And it is. And it's tongue-in-cheek the whole time too. <laughs> I yeah, never thought like, right, oh, I got to take exactly. him seriously. And, and Ray Davies, like elsewhere in his work, like he writes a lot about like the horrors and ravages of capitalism and you know, things like that. So I don't think you can put him in a box in that way. Powered man. Powered man. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. On the he previous record. He loved to sing about how he was getting a raw deal on publishing. He loved to give you a behind the scenes. Yeah. Have you heard more like inside baseball pop yeah. tunes about like <laughs> publishing rights? Yeah. Uh, but he makes it engaging. You know, you want to hear about it. You're like, yeah, man. He makes your, it funny. Get that 20%. He yeah. keeps it funny. Yes. That's the important part. So the last tune that I'll play, uh, it just kicks ass, and it's the title track. Mm. It's like this. I, I it's, it sounds like countrified stones a little bit. Not to make that annoying comparison, but it, it has that kind of feel where like those British invasion bands when they really tried to adopt country, uh, it just sounds sounds kind of cool in 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 that similar way. But it has like a real bop and those those soaring vocals again. And it's about how Ray and his family had to move to this pretty suburban neighborhood, Muswell Hill, after they were pushed out of where they were previously living in um, uh, London. And there's a lot here about class warfare, which is like a topic that he comes back to a lot. Um, and the pressure to appear as something other than what what he was and is. This Well, let's listen to this tune first, because I think that this is like the uh, heaviest riffage on the album. If you want to call it that yeah, this one's a banger all-time great riff right there right there and listen to that snare come on I picture like animal playing drums on the song, you know. Deep cut. This is a song that I cannot escape. Like I will hum this song or sing this song. Like maybe 12 times a year. I hear that. I want to get to that chorus. Oh, 
There it is. Mm. I mean, it's like... It sounds like uh, a banjo riff, but it's played on a an electric. I mean, it, we haven't really talked much about Dave Davies yet, but like that's the secret ingredient, the sauce. I think, to this. That's the secret sauce. That's what makes... I, I think, I mean, their songwriting is special to begin with. Obviously, the singing is special, but he just always, Dave Davies always finds that pocket in the music. Like, he knows where to put himself. Like, because it's very, it's very attention-grabbing, but it's not like he's soloing over the songs or something. It's, it's very riff-heavy, too. He's, he's almost like a, a solo rhythm guitarist. In terms of rhythm guitarists, I really can't think of a better one than him i mean he's up there he's maybe like john fogarty there. or something yeah and he's a, also a great songwriter in his own right uh one mm-hmm. tune that comes to mind living on a thin line Living on a thin That's line a death of a clown yeah totally yeah yeah they're quite a pair of those two <laughs> yeah when they weren't trying to kill each other uh ray davies is so good at writing and that's what I think happens on this record, like these deeply personal songs that also are cinematic and just grand. Mm. Uh, um, Wes Anderson's taken full advantage of the uh, cinematic quality of their music. I mean, does Wes Anderson have a movie where he doesn't play a kink <laughs> song? I don't think. I mean, Darjeeling Dar- Limited was like mostly kinks music. I'll right? tell you what. I mean, yeah, definitely used a lot in that movie. Myself, uh, during the period of time I lived in Japan, in Kyoto, two, two and a half years, uh, took a lot of trains, was always in transit trying to get somewhere, I'll t- and always listening to music while doing so, of course. I'll tell you, there's no better song to listen to while you are just scrambling to try to make a train than Muswell Hillbilly. That is just the perfect riff for like trying to haul ass to, to meet a deadline. That's, that's fantastic. That's a good memory. I think I love it so much because I was also in part, the time I heard it, I was really into studying songwriting at that point in my life. And, you know, we've talked about this before, like when you're younger and you hear like a Bowie or Dylan record or some massively popular thing, you're like, oh, I feel like the first person to discover how great this is before you realize there's a million people who love it. And I, but I still have this feeling about this record and I know a lot of people like it, but I don't feel like it has been appreciated to death yet. It's obscure relatively. In their catalog. Oh, there's an album called Muswell Hill. What? Me? Is that just a country album? I think that it will be appreciated, though. Uh, um, I think if I were going to buy stocks in old albums, I'd buy shares in Karen Dalton and Muswell Hillbilly Ooh. Hillbillies. He's buying stocks. Folks. <laughs> yeah, buying, that, those will be the only stocks that I. It's a bear market right now, don't you know? Well, so you, yeah, you got to get in early with these artists. Uh, and also someone so. I'm going to discuss very soon on this podcast, who uh, Labby Safri. Uh, I'm going to talk about oh, him very soon. Good call. Kanye West already put all his money on that bet, though. There's a lot of artists that already found him, but um, I'm going to talk about him soon. So I call dibs on Labby Safri. Uh, but anyway, Muswell Hillbilly is one of the best albums of the early 70s. I think more and more people are going to start coming around to that. Uh, and it all starts here on Losing My Opinion. Hell yeah. Uh, and Matt didn't mention it, but I would argue their run goes up until everybody's in showbiz has some great songs on, on it too. So don't, don't sleep on that. Sure. And then after that, I guess Davies just kind of went up his own ass for a while with putting on theater or like he got, he went too theatrical, right? Then, then you could probably sleep yeah, for a little bit. Then, 
you can sleep come on back in the 80s that, yeah. when they did the power pop thing yeah well moving on to my section now it's the height of summer i thought i'd talk about mm-hmm. uh, an artist that often comes to mind during this uh, time of the year matt you uh i mean you mentioned it kind of at the top of the episode but you know you've recently bought a home you've uh, settled down with your your beautiful family in uh, in hoboken mm-hmm. In New Jersey. Uh, not in Hoboken, but yes. Deli Boy made good. He's got his home out in Hackensack. Heck, 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 heck. Uh, <laughs> not in Hackensack either, but yes. Um, so, uh, New Jersey. Why uh, mm-hmm. Why New Jersey? Oh, God. Because uh, I love Bruce Springsteen records, and I want to ride my motorcycle up and down, up and down the streets, just, you know, pining to get out, even though I live uh. here. <laughs> Do you really have a motorcycle? No, and I think I would badly injure myself if I tried to start riding one. Well, you beat me to the punch. I do want to talk about Mr. Bruce Springsteen today. I, I know we have complicated feelings about him. Well, we've talked about this before. All right, Pri- bef- privately, bef- off offline, we've talked yes, about this. Yes, very, very privately, in our deepest, darkest moments. Um, so Bruce Springsteen. Before, all right. Before mm-hmm. I go back into unreliable narrator mode, which is. Where I like to live, okay. I will say, without any irony, facetiousness, what have you, Bruce Springsteen's music does make me feel proud to be an American. Interesting. And, uh, you know, this country's gone through some hard times right now, and I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Oh, you don't say? Yeah. Really? We're going through some shit right now. And uh, his music does truly, you know, give me hope. He's, he's hmm. on the side of good. He's like the the Nicolas Cage of music. <laughs> you know, he's just so committed and so enthusiastic and sincere that it just it wins me over every time. Mm. Even if the writing's questionable. <laughs> he's but it's just like you can't lose with his dedication to rock. Is there anybody more dedicated to uh white people rock music? No. No. No, or more successful at it. I mean, I believe he he believes in what he's doing really in a fervent way. I think he he really does look at rock music um, as a religion. And I think he acts that way. And I think his patriotism is, um, as you said, it's like, it is kind of inspiring because uh, he has such, such optimism um, in these, as Jon Stewart said, in some speech that he was giving about Bruce Springsteen, like, you know, in these, these epic poems about losers, uh, like he said, when he would, he would, he'd listen to him and he wouldn't feel, he wouldn't just be a loser. He'd be a character in an, an epic poem about losers. And I thought that that was really funny because I, you know, I, who hasn't listened to born on the run and felt something, you know, you can say whatever you want about it. Born right. on the run, <laughs> born on the run. <laughs> great song (laughs) yes thank you uh born to run you can say whatever you want about that song but i there's some hands cross my engines yeah maybe not that line because that sounds uncomfortable and maybe that i'm gonna get my legs burned wherever (laughs) i'm sitting on the motorcycle with him but uh that that song really did move me at a particular time in my life like i can't say that i still listen to it but um yeah, I think when when you are 
going through that alienation thing, like they're he's just as relevant as Nirvana, uh, in sort of catching those emotions. So I should say right off the bat, I know we've been talking about it in a way where it's like we're almost apologizing for enjoying his music, but I I am actually a Springsteen fan. Like I, it do, is the reason you moved to New Jersey. It's the reason I moved to New Jersey. I am buying that motorcycle, uh, and I will be badly hurt uh, riding it. But I'm just such a fan. There are whole albums of his that I really love. I love Wild, Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. I think that album is incredible. The early stuff. Uh, I love his first record, Green's from Asbury Park, New Jersey. I love uh, the, the Born to Run album I, I still like. I think I maybe heard it too much. Same with um, Born in the USA. Uh, Nebraska, I think, is brilliant. You know, and, and there are songs here and there that like, you know, the, the Philadelphia, uh, um, Streets of Philadelphia song. And he, he is an amazing songwriter. I, do I think that he is like, uh, like really diverse in his songwriting ability? No, I, I think he can do what he can do. Uh, but what he's good at, he might be the best at that. Uh, and I am, and I am. And a you fan. would argue that the rights to his songs are worth $500 million, right? If I had five hundred million dollars, yeah, I'd be. That's where I'd be. You're gonna it. spend four hundred dollars to see him live in concert. If I had money left over after buying his publishing rights, yeah, I would spend those four hundred dollars. But plus the motorcycle that I'm buying for myself <laughs> as well. What is so up. terrible about New Jersey that he just had this obsession with? I gotta leave. I gotta get out. I can't. Sandy, get out of the boardwalk. This whole fixation of his. I don't know. Is it him or is it the state? Because New Jersey is kind of ugly. The parts. I mean, granted, I'm just I'm going through on I-95. I'm seeing all the the factories. But. Well, I mean, you can't you can't you shouldn't judge it by that alone. I'll say, but yeah, like that yearning is intense. That pervades all of his music. To, the yearning to escape, and that's why I think I maybe the feeling I have about him is that in my life. It, he's connected to a really specific point in time where I, you know, wanted to move on from the place that I was in, the environment that I was in, or the town that I was the in. The island so, you were on. Uh, I think that's the island I was on, the Isle of Long. So I think um, that's why maybe I keep him there. Like sort of like why I don't listen right. to like Nirvana or Alice yeah. in Chains anymore because it's like very connected to he's that. He's got a very teenager vibe. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh I think he's pretty swell overall. I mean, we probably like a lot of the same albums. He's pretty swell oh, boy, as well. He? Um yeah, he's jacked. His whole band is jacked. I respect his whole like we're going to be in shape. <laughs> we're going to take the serious. These people came for a show. We're going to yeah. play for 5 hours. Like uh sure. It, the, the, yeah. I I appreciate the passion. Off. It's uh it's yeah. okay by me. I, uh, you know, people will be like, oh, he's his whole thing. He's, he's the working class rock star. He's singing about you in the factory and pretending to be Southern for some reason. Uh, and I think it's bigger than that. I think there's a lot to that, but it's really very broadly. He is such an agent of, yeah, like trying to keep hope in a desperate situation, yearning for better, um, and you know what's more American than that? Like I said at the top, I was I was I've been watching The Wire, and that's what uh, made me think of sure. uh, talking about him. It's just <laughs> he likes to explore the decay of America. It is. It's such yeah, <laughs> sure. He does. I guess it's good that we're talking about this as we slide back into the Stone Age. But uh, 
Yeah, that it's making me when you're talking, it's making me think of that song, uh, "Reason to Believe," which you don't like for some Nebraska. Reason. I that's not my favorite song. How do you remember that? It's not my favorite song on uh, Nebraska. Okay, all right, but all right. it's, a, it's a good song. It's a good song. Um, but I do love that record. State Trooper is my favorite song Trooper. on that record. Yeah, he gets he likes to be creepy. That's that an one. amazing song. Yeah, no, he's yes. he's got great album after great album. Um, you know, we like to talk about when artists kind of fall off i would say it's happened somewhere around tunnel of love which has some good tracks but he kind of just the production really kind of started to (laughs) fall off around that time you know i do i like i like tunnel of love it's it's got songs i like i agree with it completely but yeah i really do like the songs on that record um you know tougher than the rest and uh yeah there's there's some really good ones there two faces Tell of Love itself, Valentine's Day. But the production is a bit whack. And I do think after that, the songwriting kind of got... If you want to see one of the worst album covers you've ever seen in your life, Lucky Town, from the early 90s, it's like, what happened to the... Is it the one where it's like his arm? It's, it's like his arm The font is terrible. No, I think that's a different one. It's got him with... He looks like uh, Dylan with the sunglasses, but the font is awful and it... The QC fell off pretty hard. I know. I know. There's Bruce diehards that can get into his his 21st century stuff, and you got the Rising and the Ghost of Tom Joad, blah blah blah. I don't know why I'm not more into that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I I just I plead ignorance there. But if you're talking 70s, I don't know. Yeah, either. I don't know it either. I, I stop <laughs> after Tunnel of Love. I started to yeah, fall off. So I'm not gonna defend that disposition. But if you're talking 70s, first half of the 80s. I'm quite into him. I've had a lot of fun listening to him. Mm-hmm. So what's my point though here? Because yeah, we could just I we could discuss about Springsteen as well. Yes, we're running down the clock, but uh, I think the album "Born in the USA" in particular is is noteworthy. I want to I want to dig into that one a little bit today. Uh, has there ever been a more misunderstood piece of art than that album and what happened in his life and career from there? nope uh i mean i think i mean that tune i mean we talked about i think at some other point we talked about how um fleetwood max song uh don't stop was used by the i think it was the clinton campaign yeah um but it wasn't it was reagan that wanted to use born in the usa i don't know i mean i guess if you just didn't listen at all well that's the key sir this however millions of albums uh, he sold uh, copies of uh, Born in the USA. Yeah, a lot of people ain't listening to those those lyrics and the verses. That's, I, I, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't see how you could how you could miss it. I they mean, see his ass and the the flag and the blue and jeans, like, and they're America. like, "Well, yeah, Budweiser." <laughs> those are the butt the butt cheeks of America. Yeah, yeah. that's all uh, she wrote. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you listen to more than thirty seconds of the song, I don't see how you would miss what the point of the song is. It doesn't seem like there's, it's not even like there's a ton of like subtext or it's like a Randy Newman no, song. It's like, it's like, we don't support our bets. What else do you need to know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's people living in hell. Uh, and then it's this sort of, um, it's not even tongue in cheek. I think it's, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but sort of chanting born in the USA. It's, it's sounds patriotic out of the context of the, the verses, but within the context, it's like, um, it's just a horrifying desperate cry or, or something like that yeah uh so i quite like that song i like pretty much all the album uh including his apparently biggest song ever just the one that 
charted the highest, sold the most, what, blah, 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 just in a pre-Spotify world, whatever those terms What's meant. That? Uh, but I'm talking about Dancing in the Dark. Okay. Uh, yes. And I, I, I do love this song. You like that song. All right. I, so who, I was, no, no, I don't like it. I oh, love you, it. you love it. I so, love it. So, all right. I'm going to have to hope that there's some listeners out there today that are either skeptical about Bruce in general or maybe undervalue that particular song because that's really what I'm getting to today. I want to talk about Dancing in the Dark. You love that song. I was I not it. expecting that. What do you love about that song? Not those keyboards. Oh, uh, come on. But... Ain't you uh, the War on Drugs fan? Oh, they they built their whole career yes, off, they of did. This, uh, off of this, this uh, instrumentation. Quite but, wisely, I might add. Uh, yeah, they did, a, they did a great job of expanding on it. Uh, there, there are, I love the lyrics. And, and I know some people would say the lyrics of this song are cheesy, but I disagree. You know, I want to change my clothes, my hair, my face. There's something happening somewhere. You know, I just know there is like that. Or I'm sick. I'm sick. Uh, sick of sitting around here trying to write this book. That's my favorite part. Yeah, I trying mean, to write this book. That's how I feel half the yeah, time when I got to well, be working on something. For any artist, and I, I'm going to say immediately, like, please don't think I'm pretentious in saying this, but if for anyone who's trying to do something creative, it's a lot of time that you have to put into it for it to even be not good. So uh, that line does stick with me in those times of like when you're getting. Um, that in that sitting in that discomfort of working on something for too long. All right. Well, let's listen to the song for a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I've really asked a lot of folks here, but uh, let's 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 hear the jam for a little bit, get us in the zone, and then we'll uh, we'll keep up the discussion here. Let's start dancing in the dark. Now, are we gonna do the Courtney Cox Bruce Springsteen dance as we listen to the song? <laughs> Uh, you can if you want. It sounds like okay. uh, you're having heart problems just going down the stairs. So I don't want to. <laughs> you're right. We might need to. Yeah, I should give you. We didn't give each other emergency contacts for this podcast, oh, and shit. I feel like we should have right. done that. Like HR, the HR <laughs> of losing my opinion should have uh, worked that yeah. out for us. All right, here we go. It's not a good video. Immediately start with his crotch. Yeah, it's not a good video. Heads. I think a lot of people got thrown off by the video. I'm just going to throw that out uh-huh. there right now. Good looking guy, though. Really aggressive dancing. Uh, looks like he's going to hurt himself, actually. <laughs> he's bringing it. He brings it. He brings it. This is probably like maybe hour four into one of his concerts. I love that line. I don't care if it's cheesy. I don't. I really is it even cheesy? I don't think it is. You can't start a fire without a spark. It's like you know. The video's cheesy. Some of the marketing around this album was cheesy. The fact that his ass is the cover. <laughs> the song is a banger, I gotta say. It's great. There it is. <laughs> and he's dressed like a mechanic. So. <laughs> he's gonna bust right out of those pants. <laughs> They better watch out for flying zipper on the front row. All right. Great song. 
So we're in the Bruce zone here. I'm yeah. f- fully in the Bruce zone. Do you know the the story behind him writing this song? I don't. I really don't. So this is like one of the last ones he wrote for the album. Okay. John Landau uh, was pressuring him for more and more hits. You know, it's how many hits came off this album? No, they're not enough. We need another one. <laughs> write the song, biggest yeah. fucking song you can write. We got to... We got to get all the markets. We got to get the Bible Belt here. We got to get everything. Just give me another radio hit. Uh, and he just wrote it overnight. And there's some references to his frustrations uh, against the pressures of having to write a hit and meet commercial wow. expectations. Like that's baked into the song, which just there's, makes me love it more. Like this is like he wrote it reluctantly and it's still a banger. That's fantastic. Uh, you can hear that. You hear the frustration. That's what we were just talking about. It's, uh, yeah, it's a masterwork for, for pop, considering this is like basically his biggest pop single. This is his version of just fucking selling out and just writing to please the masses. And it still like has integrity and is cool mm-hmm. and just is solid, solidly him. That's a unique thing. When I'm frustrated, I, I just write shit. So <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, it's a good talent that he has. Yeah, the video is... Uh, pretty dated. Uh, still fun to watch. Yeah. But this, the song itself, I, I might change my position on the that that synthy. I think thing. it's tasteful. It is. is it is mid eighties. Yeah, I know. It it's check. the best you can do for this production wise for this period. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, I think my favorite lyric actually is, "You can't start a fire worrying about your little world falling, falling apart. apart." That's yeah. my that's that's mm-hmm. it for me. And the, the fact he only sings that once, he does only sing it's it all once. details like that. It, it's, it's all the details for Springsteen. Yeah. Well, I wish you didn't just totally agree with me <laughs> the way I did with you no for the Kings. No argument here. Just yeah. two, just two fellas, just shaking hands, yeah, listening to on the boss. everything, listening uh, to the boss. Well, I got a little treat for you. Okay. Uh, there is a cover of this song that just came out last year. And if it wasn't enough proof that uh, the song is awesome, you know, just by hearing this, mm-hmm. what better way to, to further uh, defend my point than to hear somebody, some other artist take on it and really making the song their own? Let's listen to uh, a cover of this song now by Benny Sings. You ever heard of Benny Sings? No, I have not. So he is this very strange... Uh, Dutchman in his mid forties, okay. uh, who is now on Stone's Throw. Okay, uh, so is that that kind of sound? He does. Right. He does like hip hop, R and B, and he's been doing it for forever. Like he's he's been around for almost twenty years, but just recently he started to get more and more prominent and collaborated with Mac DeMarco and stuff. But Benny sings. I mean, you see a picture of him, and uh, you can tell he's he's an introvert weirdo. Let's let's get one up for you here. Oh, you know, I've seen this guy's face around. Yeah. yeah. He's cool. He's he's the real deal, I think. Mm. Um, he's just super laid back, and I don't know, I feel like there's like cats in half of his promotional material. <laughs> and he, he's just, you can tell he's just a weirdo who like loves a certain period of, of music and just runs with it. Uh, and it's good vibes all around. So if you weren't convinced already that Dancing okay. in the Dark is uh, is solid, let's listen to the Benny Sings version. Sure, fire it up. (laughs) 
Dutch accent. It's like even more eighties than the original. Never skimps on a good bass line. No, it's pretty foggy. Yeah, I don't think about the chord changes much, you know, because when I'm hearing right. it, I guess maybe because I've heard it so much, or because there's no, there's really no one instrument that I'm focusing on in the song. I guess that one little synth part, but like I'm not listening to the guitar, yeah. I'm not listening yeah, to yeah. the bass or whatever, and that happens a lot on that record. Like I'm listening to his voice mainly. Yeah, and uh, the and snare drum that just punches you in the face. Blasting, yeah. Um, but this this cover is actually makes me think about the changes and how much I like them, uh, especially on that chorus. It's just it, they're actually more complicated and interesting than I remember them to be from the original. Here's here's the thing I'm wrestling with. Uh, if you were to show the song "Dancing in the Dark" to somebody for the first time, what's a better way to represent it? You know, which do you think is going to have more appeal? Which uh, is better? Yeah. It's this is a very good cover, and I hear it in a totally different light. It's yeah, you know. I don't dislike I don't dislike this cover. I, I think it's um, I think it grabs one element from the song, and uh, just uh, accentuates it, and, and goes hard in that direction. Like it took the it took the thing that I was most that I liked the least about the song and went in that direction, and I actually really appreciated. <laughs> it. Turned it on its so, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sort of blew it up. Um, for sure, though, the original. I mean, I think okay. this is a nice aperitif to the original uh, song. Uh, that's a very nice way to put it. Yeah. This guy is really talented. Oh, that, that arrangement is, is gorgeous. Yeah. he's Benny, Benny sings. If you like what you heard, he writes a ton of original stuff. Um, he's got a lot of great albums. Check him out. All right. Well, what's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song of them all? That... Um, I would maybe at right now at this moment, uh, New York City Serenade, which is the last hipster. Song, the last no, no. I'm gonna push back on that very hard. So <laughs> that song is on the second record, Wild Innocent East Street Shuffle, and it's like yeah. a seven and a half minute song, and it's a song that, um, when I was in college and I had no friends yet, I would walk around listening to like long ass music because I can kind of get lost in it yeah. and, um, and think. And that song, I think I played more than any other 
uh, at that time period in my life. And like, it's actually hard for me to listen to right now. It's very emotional yeah. to hear it. But um, there's that line where he says, walk tall or don't walk at all. And it really did. It really did motivate me. It really did give me confidence. That sounds like that would be one of the quotes at the beginning of a Wire episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bodhi. Yeah, yeah Bodhi's, <laughs> right. Yeah. Walk tall. You don't walk at all, Wallace. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I do. That's That might be my favorite. But there, I mean, there are so many that are excellent. I feel like we started off when we were talking about him as if we were going to disparage him because he's sort of oh, so ubiquitous. It's hard to disparage. Yeah, that's just, it's the same thing with Nicolas Cage. They just believe in what they're doing so much. It's like, what, are you going to be an asshole? Like, they're, right. putting, they're giving you everything they got. You know? Yes. And they have the same hair now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I might be, it's really hard for me to choose, and I do love those first two albums, but I might be a sucker for Hungry Heart too much. That's a good one. That's a hot song. I realize part of what I like so much about that song is there's like no guitar. <laughs> guitar so I love his piano based stuff. You said to me, which I thought was funny. I don't know if I'm, if I'm putting you on blast here I am. saying this, but you said that The River is, that whole album is essentially a double album of three different songs yes, played I think over and over again. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I love it all the same though. Listen to hearing like Ramrod. It's like, all right, I think I've heard enough car <laughs> songs. Oh. But I do like that song. Um, well, the river itself is amazing. And also Wreck on the Highway. You know, there are some really yeah. nice tunes on that album, double album. I played Hungry Heart for uh, my partner, Hoi Min, and she's like, oh, I know the song. Like when I went to like Hebrew camp when I was in middle school, we'd sing, every Jew has got a Hebrew heart. <laughs> And I can't, oh I can't God. separate that from hearing the song. Now. Oh my God, that's fantastic! <laughs> that is fantastic. So we, uh, you know, we like to say on this podcast that we we argue points and uh, have to defend our position. But I think we just both enjoyed some good music today. I think that's all that happened. Yeah. So we're stepping into the learning corner. Yes. What have we learned? <laughs> Just that we are essentially just not disagreeing with each other anymore. Yeah, I think we what we learned is we got to find the like 0.02% of our musical opinions that differ and maybe <laughs> hone in on them for future mm-hmm. episodes. But okay. uh, I... Uh, yeah, because now even the Labby Safri future episode, I'm worried about doing that one because you already A lot of people him. don't know who the fuck that is though. Least, I, so. I'm still going to do it because I feel yeah. like I, no, please know, I, do. I need to talk about him. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't learn much. This was a regressive episode. I rested on my laurels. I unlearned things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, actually, I want to, uh, listen to some Springsteen next couple of days is, mm-hmm. is what I learned. I want to go back to some of that stuff. Cause that, you know, that music is really important to me and I got away from it for so long. Cause I was like, okay, I've sort of been there, been in that place and I've gotten what I needed from this artist. But, um, Maybe I haven't, especially now that I'm in Jersey. It's like, it's the best thing uh, we got. That and the fact that Sopranos was filmed here. Yep, Bruce. Bruce will always take you back. It's never too late. Mm-hmm. And listen to Mus- Muswell Hillbillies. Muswell That's Hillbillies. A great, That's a must-well listen. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. No, it's, it's getting late. We're in rough shape here. I got, uh, <laughs> we're hey, in rough shape. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you liked it, please subscribe. Mm-hmm. Leave a rating, write a review, whatever you got to do. We'll take anything. Whatever you have to do. Whatever yeah. you have to do, do it. Uh, you can follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter or Instagram. Just uh, the handle is Losing My Opinion. That's it. 
Uh, we post some fun stuff on there sometimes. And uh, mostly on fun though. Yeah, no, we try to keep it austere. We try to keep generally. it not fun. Yeah, real sterile. And hey, you know, I I've come out uh, speaking in favor of Bruce. I could be wrong now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think so. You know. That one didn't annoy me as much as it normally does, and because I, I feel like your heart wasn't in it. Yeah, it didn't didn't land the way it, it wasn't, wanted it, it didn't, to. No, yeah, no, it was too, it didn't, too gentle. Didn't ruffle my feathers the way you normally do. I'll get uh, you next time. But I time. will say, so long, suckers. Yay! Uh, I, say, I, remember, yeah, I remembered it. Yeah, yeah. Well, my wife was like, "You really can't remember this." Um, no, I knew you were fucking so, with me the whole time. I actually, I really didn't remember it. But yes. Oh, all right. That's yeah. whoa. Okay. Yeah, See me problems. after class. I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs>